Turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. While you're turning there, I want to give you this whole sermon in one sentence. And that's this. No pool will ever replace the power of the Holy Spirit. And the title for the message this weekend is Take Up Your Mat. Okay, write those things down. No pool will ever replace the power of the Holy Spirit. Take up your mat, write those things down, and let's watch this. I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. So, look at me, look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? 
So let's go. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Free to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. It's a very powerful scene. Uh, you know, the chosen brings it to life exactly the way that my mind has always envisioned. This scene, um, I know this man was physically healed, like he was once not able to walk, and then all of a sudden, one encounter with Jesus later, he could walk. But everything about this encounter indicates that Jesus healed something much more valuable than this man's legs. He healed his heart. Jesus healed his mind. You know, I can't say that I've ever been healed of anything, at least not miraculously like this man was. But you guys, I have been mentally and emotionally healed of more things than you could imagine. In my life, I've struggled with intensely with lust, with anger, rejection, bitterness, fear, and insecurity, the insecurity, jealousy. I could probably go on all day. I struggled with a lot. And all of those issues, they were in my head and they were in my heart. And over the years, God has and still is healing me. Some of those things have been healed in a moment like this man was. Insecurity was actually one of those. In one moment, in one encounter with Jesus, I was healed of crippling insecurity. I was a worship leader at a church every week. You sing, you lead people in worship, and I could sing, I could play guitar, and I wrote my own songs, and one week in particular, I was just making mistakes left and right. I was shanking notes, shanking chords, couldn't remember the words to songs, my own songs, <laughs> and that set was over, and I walked off the stage, and when I hit the green room, I was kicking stuff. 
just so mad, so angry. Coincidentally, my wife walked into the room right about the same time I'm kicking a chair. She's like, what are you doing? I said, did you not hear me miss that note? She's like, no. Well, I missed all the words to my song. Every word, yes, no, yes. You know, it was just completely unreasonable. And she's like, you know what, whatever. And she walks out of the room and leaves me there, just me alone with Jesus. <laughs> and it was a weird moment. But it's like in that moment, the Lord arrested my heart. And he spoke very clearly, very deeply to my heart. And he said, you know, insecurity is a waste of time. And in that moment, I was healed of insecurity. I never looked back. I kept making mistakes when I led worship. But I'd just laugh and keep going. I didn't get caught up in that stuff anymore. Other issues have been or are being healed through the disciplining of my mind. Focusing on the right things. Replacing toxic thoughts with truthful thoughts. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just like Romans 12, 2 says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it's taken years to overcome my rejection issues. I'm talking years, y'all. Years. And I have to tell you that with every one of these issues I'm talking about, Jesus, in his own way, asked me the same question he asked this guy. Do you want to be healed? I'm like, is this a trick question? Of course I want to be healed. I don't want to stay like this. What a dumb question. But it's really not. It's not a dumb question. Just like this man, I had become so comfortable with my excuses for why I thought this way or acted that way or wouldn't do this or couldn't do that that I had become boxed in like I had my own mental and emotional mat that I just couldn't or wouldn't get off of. I blamed this person for this and I blamed that person for that. And those people, those are the ones responsible for my anger issues. And so and so is the reason for my rejection issues. I had positioned myself on this mental and emotional mat and everyone else was the reason I was there. It was everyone else's problem. Everyone else's issue. Everyone else's fault. And every time with every issue, Jesus just cut through the crap and asked, what do you want for yourself? Do you want to be there? Do you have any desire to change? Or do you just want to stay where you are? Mentally emotionally, even socially. My issues 100% affected the way I interacted and related to people. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, paralyzed, completely immobile. So this scene 
in my scene. All right? Maybe it's your scene. It's your scene. It's my scene. We've all seen this exact scene. Right? Am I right? One way or the other. Let's take a quick look back through the story. We're in John chapter 5. Starting in verse 1, it says, After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, probably Passover. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there is a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porticos. In these porticos lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, limping, or paralyzed. I want to point out really quickly that some of you may have a Bible translates a Bible translation that includes a commentary that's inserted right here where it says in these porticos lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, limping, paralyzed. And then there's these brackets or parentheses and it goes on to say waiting for the water to move. These people were waiting for the water to move for an angel went down at certain times into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Okay, this commentary is not actually in John's original manuscripts. Okay, someone probably around the second century inserted this as an explanation to what the cripple man says about the waters being stirred. We'll read through that in a second. There was a legend, um, really probably more of a superstition, that an angel would come and stir the waters And when the people get into it, while the waters were stirred, they were healed. Okay. And so sick people practically lived at that pool, hoping they were going to be healed. Some scholars believe that by the time this scene happens with Jesus, that the pool of Bethesda had actually become paganized. Okay. We don't know that for sure, but that's why the chosen depicted the pool of Bethesda the way that they did in this scene. Okay, bottom line, this man and most everyone there believed that something mystical, something magical might happen at any moment, and they were determined not to miss it. Verse 5 says, now there was a man there who had been ill for 38 years. Y'all say 38. That's a long time. Jesus... Upon seeing this man lying there and knowing that he had already been in that condition for such a long time, said to him, do you want to get well? You know, there's a great lesson in God's sovereignty here uh, and our need to get over questioning when and where and how and why God does or doesn't do something for someone, right? I mean, you think about this portico is filled with sick people, but Jesus wasn't there to do a healing service. Jesus was just passing through and then he singled out one person. And you have to wonder if everyone else was so intensely watching that water, waiting for an angel that they didn't even notice people walking by. Okay, maybe Jesus saw this man because this man saw Jesus. Who knows? What we do know is that Jesus stopped and he asked this man a question. Do you want to get well? 
Your translation may say healed. Do you want to be healed? But the original Greek word isn't the typical word that's used everywhere else for healing. That would be the word therapeuo or however you pronounce it. Okay? Therapeuo is where we get the word therapy. It literally means healed, cured, to be healed. Okay? The word that John chooses to use here can be used for healing, but really covers a, a broader scope of wellness. The number one definition of this word for well is sound. Like the soundness of a person, a man or a woman, a person who is sound. The number two definition is to make someone whole. And it's really interesting because this is a word that is used metaphorically in that language to mean teaching someone not to deviate from the truth. The fact that Jesus asks this guy if he wants to be healed should already tell us that there's something deeper going on, right? Because Jesus never asked anybody if they want to be healed. He didn't ask people. This is the only guy he ever asked that. Typically, he just therapeutes them, right? He just heals them. But this man is different. It's almost like what Jesus really was asking this guy is, are you ready to deal with the truth. I can see that your legs aren't working. But brother, you are more crippled on the inside than you are on the outside. Are you ready to deal with the truth? Do you want to be made well? And this man's answer really helps us to fill in the gaps. Look at what he says in response to Jesus. Verse 7, the sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But when I'm coming, another person steps down before me. So the man gives his reason. And his reason is reasonable. I haven't been able to get to the water, right? I mean, sure, that makes sense. He can't get down to it. Except when you consider that this man has been ill for 38 years. And who knows how many of those years has been spent on that mat beside that pool. Listen. And I've said this before in another sermon. I know I have because I say this all the time. A reason can be for a season. But an excuse will become your noose. Your excuses will kill you. This man was full of excuses. And I think the chosen really nailed this dude's character right from the get-go. He was angry and he was bitter. Remember, it says that he was ill for 38 years. Okay, this strongly implies that this man had not always been sick. You know, a lot of times in the Bible, um, it gives specific amounts of time that someone dealt with their issue. Like in Luke chapter 8, it says that the woman with the issue of blood dealt with her issue for 12 years. In Luke chapter 9, it says Jesus saw a man who had been blind since 
birth, right? This man seems to have lived a season of his life healthy and strong and then was stricken with an illness or maybe an injury that made him immobile. My point is, there's no telling what lies this guy had begun to believe after 38 years. Why did I get sick? Did God do this to me? God sure isn't helping me. And people won't help me. I can't catch a break. I'll never be healed. I'll never be lovable again. I'm just worthless. And we all know how easy it is to believe some stupid stuff. Don't we? We also know how easy it is to become angry and bitter and blame everyone around us for what is or isn't happening in our life. True. I believe that's where this man was and why Jesus' real question was, are you ready to deal with the truth? So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> How many of you know this is exactly what it feels like when you begin excavating those deep-rooted issues in your heart. It's painful. It hurts because someone did hurt us way back when. Or maybe somehow we hurt ourselves when we made that bad decision or that request that we made known to God never came to pass. That loved one did die. Or that relationship did fail. Those dreams didn't come true. And all that, all that kind of stuff, it hurts. And maybe we've tried to pull up our, ourselves up off of that mental and emotional mat, but we could never quite make it happen. And so we've just camped out beside some healing pool, meaning We've found something that provides temporary hope, temporary healing, temporary distraction from the pain. Substances are some people's pool of Bethesda. Relationships can be a pool that we put our hope in. Sex. Pornography have become very popular pools. Work can be a pool that we fixate on. Image. 
Even a religion can become a pool, thinking that church attendance or rituals or good behaviors or, or right thinkings, right attitudes can eventually heal us of our, our issues. And that is part of it. Obviously, there are always practical steps that are required of us. But you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Y'all picking up what I'm laying down. You also know, just like I do, that no pool will ever replace the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time. I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. Need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus' compassion and concern and his patience with this guy. Don't you? It reminds me of how patient Jesus has been with me. can't tell you how many times I've looked to other things to feel better. But it never worked. It never worked. And at just the right time, Jesus would ask me, Tony, do you want to deal with the truth? Do you want to be made well? And what's awesome is every time I replaced my pool with the power of the Holy Spirit, I began to see transformation. Sometimes it was immediate. Sometimes it was slower. It took time. And when it would take time, I would just have to trust Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> For the sake of time, let's fast forward in this story. We know that the man was healed. Uh, some religious leaders get mad at Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. Completely ridiculous, right? But look down in verse 14. Verse 14, it says, later, Jesus found the man in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. There are a couple things about this verse that I find comforting and also challenging. I love that Jesus circles back around to this man and wanted him to understand, yes, you were physically healed, but don't miss the bigger point. 
your mental and emotional and spiritual condition are much more important than your physical condition. You have been made well, not just physically healed, but healed all the way down to the joint and the marrow of your heart. Amen. And and Jesus is trying to say, stay focused on your mind and on your heart. I wonder if already this man was being tempted to be or do something that he had been or had done before he met Jesus. Part of me thinks that because that's been my story. I've done that plenty of times. Just go back to the same stuff. Whenever I felt enough peace or just enough comfort or just enough confidence that I began to settle back into my old patterns, old thinking, old behavior, it's like I would just lay myself back down on that mental and emotional mat. But look again at what Jesus tells this guy. Verse 14, he says, sin no more lest a worse thing comes upon you. There are Bible scholars who believe that this man's illness was brought on by dissipation. What is dissipation? Well, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, but it's more, dissipation is more than just getting drunk, okay? I believe that dissipation can be defined as turning to sinful and even dangerous things to numb whatever pain it is that you have in your heart. Because listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21. He says, be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that's why there are those that believe that this man's loose living caught up with him. And maybe he had an accident because he was drunk. Or maybe he caught some sort of sexual disease. It's like Jesus is saying, saying, bro, you just fell off a ladder last time. But if you go back to that, you might get ran over by a camel and get killed or something. You know, it could be way worse than falling off a ladder. Ain't nobody want to be killed by a camel. But what a great reminder for those, for those of us who have experienced freedom. We've been set free of so many things. Be on your guard. Be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down again and lead you back to your former way of loose living. It's a great reminder, isn't it? Here's how I want to close this weekend. I want to give you four ways to take up your mental and emotional mat. Number one, repent of your sins. Repent of your sins This is where any transformation begins with repentance. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Repent then and turn back so that your sins may be wiped away and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and turn back. In Luke chapter 3 verse 8, John the Baptist 
talks about bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. If you want to bear fruit of any kind, certainly transformation, certainly getting off of your mental and emotional mat, it has to begin with repentance. Number two, forgive your offenders. Forgive your offenders. We know that Jesus himself, within the Lord's prayer, said, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Colossians chapter 3, the apostle Paul says, bear with each other and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We talk about the power of forgiveness all the time because there's power in unforgiveness. It's the number one open door for the enemy in our life, unforgiveness. So be sure to forgive your offenders. Number three, deal with the truth. Deal with the truth. And I really mean that in two ways. One, I'm talking about receiving the truth of God's word. Receiving the truth of God's word. Um, In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking and he says, If you will continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Any kind of freedom begins with the foundation of Jesus's word. Amen. So deal with the truth by receiving the truth of God's word. But there's another thing in dealing with truth. You have to reject the lies of the devil, receive the truth of God's word, reject the lies of the devil. Let me give you one verse on this. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse five says that we got to destroy arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You better believe that the enemy has come in and whispered lies, tried to plant lies. And if he succeeded, he over and over and over and over tries to um, reinforce those lies. And Paul's telling the Corinthians, you got to destroy those arguments. Like you got to, you got to annihilate them. And take every thought captive. Reject the lies of the devil. When you do that, your mental and emotional mat is just going to start rolling itself up. I like that. Number four, let go of loose living. Listen to me, saints. You've repented of your sins. You've forgiven your offenders. You're even working through the lies that you've believed based upon the offense of your offenders. But part of the process in your redemption, your transformation, is you got to let go of loose living. I'm going to give you four verses. Jesus says, again, be on your guard so that your heart will not be weighed down with dissipation. Loose living. And drunkenness and the worries of life. Proverbs 26, 11, kind of gross. But it says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. 
Don't think about it. Don't return to it. Don't do it. Don't talk about it. Move on from the former things. And then Romans 12, I already referenced it a little earlier. I'm going to give you verse 1 and verse 2 because it says, I urge you, brothers, Paul talking to the Romans, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies up as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's the reasonable response to his mercy. And then he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't conform any longer to that loose living but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. I'm glad I added that fourth one in. What I want us to do is I want us to end by declaring something together. Okay. It's going to be up on the screen and I want us with fervor, with sincerity, especially if you're here and you know, there is a mental and emotional mat that you need to take up. I want you to declare these things. This is a prayer and a declaration. Okay? Let's read this declaration aloud together. Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for asking me if I want to be well. Thank you for your compassion Thank you for hearing my heart and seeing my pain and for challenging my mind to believe the truth. I want to take up my mental and emotional mat. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to help me forgive my offenders. And I ask you to help me deal with the truth. I choose in this moment to receive the truth and reject the lies. And I commit to let go of loose living. I know all of these things require your help. So today I choose to take up my mat and leave every pool I've ever depended upon and replace them with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give a shout to the Lord in this place?